misses. Brock isn't dead. It's just sleuthing. With your host, Willie Whitebread, and Mark Audio Slave Stewart. Hey, motherfuckers, welcome back to another episode of Rock Isn't Dead, It's Just Sleeping, with yours truly, Mr. Willie Whitebread, and my illustrious co-host, Mark, Mark, Audio Slave, the Vindicator, Dead, the, the Violator, Mark the Audio Slave. Okay, in lieu of Halloween right around the corner, we decided to do an episode on Shock Rock. Yes. Wow. yes, 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 shock rock. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about shock rock. What does shock rock mean to you, Mark? Well, shock rock means to me is pretty much anything that's visually or audibly in your face, out of the norm. It's going to get your, your, your juices flowing. You're going to turn away. You're going to be shocked. Yeah, you're going you're to be, be scared. You're gonna, yeah, you're either going to fight or flight. You yeah. know, you're going you're gonna to love it or you're going to be like, no, 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 this, yeah. this can't be going on. And in a hundred times out of a hundred, your parents are going to hate it. Oh, yeah. Your parents are going, if your parents hate it, no doubt. They're doing their job and you're listening to the right shit. That's correct. Correct. Of course. (laughs) Okay. So, and and it's funny too because uh, in modern day times that we have now, can you label any or name any modern day shock rock bands? I can't. Modern day? I mean, from, I mean, mean, you still have the older guys doing their damn thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any shock rock? Because what's going to shock this generation? Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing at all. Like, you would have to have a public suicide on stage. I mean, I guess the latest one would be, like, Ghost. Ghost. Now, those guys, I mean, or In This Moment, that's another kind of one. That was my choice. Um, Yeah. What's that one band that 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 uh, was at Rockville a couple of years ago? I'll think about I'll think about it and get back to it. But yeah. there was a, there was another one um, that that dresses up like Alice Cooper style. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like in, in modern society now, we have such a you know back then when shock rock was first invented and or not invented more so when it, when it first came around, uh, you didn't have the internet. No. So you couldn't just Google guy gets throat torn out by Wolverine and Amazon rainforest and right. get 17 videos. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. back then when, when Alice Cooper came on and he was screaming about 18, they were like, oh, look at this scary motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. he, he chops his head off in a guillotine and right. motherfuckers are like, dude. I don't think he started off with, the, with that act, no, with no. the full act. But Avatar, that was the band I was thinking about for, for the modern day. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so I, I looked into Shock Rock a little bit because I know Shock Rock. I know the label of Shock Rock, but I didn't know uh, quite its roots or where it came from or you know what the lineage, the complete lineage was behind Shock Rock. Did we get the, the Michael Misfit Martinez stamp of approval? Yes, we did, actually. Holy shit. Thank you, Michael. Okay, so shock rock actually began with circus performers. Right. That's where they got the idea behind it was like, okay, so back in those days, back in the 50s, they're like, all right, well, Elvis is doing the leg thing. That's cool. The Beatles are freaking people out with that electric freaking monstrosity solid body guitar they're playing. Right, right. Yeah, they're freaking people out that way. So how can we take it to the next level? That's exactly how, how it happened. Man. How can we take it to the next level? Uh, a, a guy named P.T. Barnum in the 1840s, he was, uh, was kind of labeled the godfather of, of shock oddities. 
Yeah, because he had his circus and he yeah. had he had his uh, little sideshow. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. bearded woman and right. shit like that. People were lined up because people. I don't know, man. People like to see weird shit. Right. They like to be you know confused. They like to be intrigued and they like to be afraid. It's an adrenaline rush for people. Yeah. And and guys like you know Screaming Jay Hawkins and Arthur Brown and and Alice Cooper they made a label off of this and they're like they picked up on that because they're like how do we become different. How yeah, do we pull yeah. this attention from the Beatles? Right. You know what I mean? So uh, let's start with Screamin' Jay. Let's start with Screamin' Jay Hawkins a little bit. So, uh, yeah, his uh, most famous success was 1956 with uh, I Put a Spell on You. I Put a Spell on You. Yeah, and that was redone by Manson and several yeah. other, other artists. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he, what, what was he? Uh, oh, he emerged from a coffin. That, that was his, well, that was his a, claim um, to fame, wasn't it? It was, a, uh, it was kind of his claim to fame, but it was more so a stunt that was put together by because he started he was on a late night radio show yeah uh and they were like hey man because he was already coming out with the bone in his nose right. with the voodoo stick you know what yeah. i mean and he was you know walking around grunting ha, ha, mm. i put a spell on you you know yeah, you ever watch those old monster episodes yeah remember eddie mm-hmm. was obsessed with uh that the, the, the one guy on the television and he, that kind of reminds me of screaming jay he, he probably was, was a representative he, of he, screaming yeah, jay exactly exactly then you have yeah. the uh that uh that guy oh i'm howling baby you know, yeah that, yeah, that yeah. One dj yeah yeah and and all of that can kind of be tied t- tied back too because i think screaming jay he kind of took the influences from circus performers and mixed it with a little bit of those older blues cats like Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Howlin' Wolf had Howlin' Wolf had that Screamin' Jay sound, and Screamin' Jay just made it weird. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. He made it fucking weird. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, the dude had a skull-shaped microphone. He, oh, yeah. He set off smoke bombs on stage. All that kind That was of before shit. he had that fog machine, so yeah. they had to get the smoke from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that, um, he, I also listened to a few different things about him and apparently the motherfucker was a liar. Like he was known to be a pathological liar. Right. Like, uh, he went into, uh, the service in 1944 underage, uh, cause he was in an orphanage and obviously wanted to get out born in Cleveland, Ohio. It's fucking mm-hmm. cold as shit. If you ain't got no money, you're cold. Yeah. So he, uh, he went into the service and he left in 1952. However, he liked to tell stories, you know, that he was a POW in a Japanese POW camp. No, that shit ever happened. Well, why would he do that? But, hey, he was a performer from a lot of the people that talked about him. They say he was strictly a performer. He didn't care. What he had to say, what he had to do. Just lie till you, fake it till you make it. That's right. He was going to put a spell on you. That's what he was going to do. And it was also said that the motherfucker had 57 kids. Wow. 57 (laughs) children. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good, actually. So, uh, yeah, Screaming Jay. That That was a cool song. Yeah, I put a spell on you. That was it was unique. It's a unique to this day. It's still on, a, on it's on my Halloween playlist. I don't know yeah. about anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> and even so, like I, I watched uh, the music video a few different times, um, and 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 it's not only like if say if you go see Slipknot or you see Alice Cooper, they're sitting there, yeah. they're doing the cliche frontman stance. They're right. putting the front leg on the on the monitor, and they're fucking tilted up like this, doing the, well, doing I the mean, front man everything's belt. been done before. Right. So, But Screaming Jay, dude, that motherfucker was creepy. He was weird. Like, he would he would sit there and look around, confused, and... Hup, fucking hup. Uncle Fester and shit. Yeah, yeah, he would start grunting and doing, I put a bell on you. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, ooh, doing all those crazy <laughs> Halloween sounds and shit, man. That was just cool. Yeah, that yeah. was cool as fuck. Yeah. Anything? Anything yeah. else about him? Oh, uh, man, 
No, well, there was a there was a copycat during during the same time. Uh, British guy, songwriter named uh, Go S- Figure, Screaming Lord Such. Wow. So that was his, his little. Wow. Thing. That's the only other thing I know about the guy. Uh. You, know, you know, other than the fact that he was the Godfather, the one who originated shock rock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he 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 started that bridge between. Uh, Horror film and theatrics and circus acts, right? And rock and roll, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Which is cool because he was. I mean, you got to think this guy was playing in the fifties, yeah, right. So he was up there with like Jerry Lee Lewis and Buddy Holly People and stuff were like looking that. Looking at that guy, like, what in the literal fuck is going on? Right, you right. Know, why are you even dressed like that? Talking like that? No one. He's way ahead of his time. Right. That's what's what it was. Precisely, man. Yeah. Like he. Yeah. Because you got to think, people are listening. They're like, okay, they just bought uh, the new Beatles album, right? And yeah. they're and they're listening to Buddy Holly and Jerry Lee Lewis and Johnny Cash. And then here comes fucking Screaming Jay Hawkins. We also got to think the mid '50s. That's when Halloween kind of took off. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. around. It was around, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Earlier than that, but but it was sanctioned. Right. Yeah. It was. This was like you know, kind of like br- bringing Halloween. Into the into, into the, the mainstream, main exactly. The mainstream, the main vein, exactly. Main vein. That's it. Yeah. So, that's it. You know, there was only uh, in the '60s. There was only a couple different artists that that were uh, destroying their instruments, like the Who, Pete Townsend, man. You know, um, and then came along Arthur Brown. Arthur Brown. So why don't you go ahead and get into a little Arthur Brown? Arthur Brown, I didn't know much about the man before we decided to do this show. Um, I had heard his famous song "Fire." Yeah, uh, but I didn't. Other than that, I didn't. I didn't really know much about it. And the big thing about Arthur Brown's music is he kind of played on, I think, something similar to what Slayer played on. Okay. Uh, because if you watch the music video for "Fire," he was a he was a theater performer. Yeah. First and foremost, that's right. what that's what Arthur Brown was. He was a uh, he was a, a theater performer, a theater major over there in England. He was born in Whitby, England. Um, so that's the kind of circuit that he he ran with. Um, you had Jimi Hendrix doing some onstage stuff too during yeah. that time. Yeah. But. He, he Nothing did. like what he he was bringing to it, you know. Right. He he did uh, like that's that's a good point that you made. He did um, share a lot of bills with big name mainstream. Well, I, no, I was just rockers. saying more because you know Jimi Hendrix was known to set his guitar on fire. Yeah. Arthur Brown was known to come out in a flaming headpiece. Yeah. You know. Right. So I mean, fire on stage. I guess. The, yeah. The early, you know. Uh, Pyrotechnics of pyrotechnics, <laughs> you will. Yep, and that and that's that's what I would say. I think I think he's kind of the uh, the bridge between not so much horror, but uh, but pyrotechnics because that 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 video fire it was it came out in '68 as mm-hmm. a single, um, and it was kind of looked at as a portrayal of a satanic ritual. I could see that. Right. I mean, who, who wouldn't look at it that way? Because like you said, back then, that's when Halloween's coming around, because before then, it was heavily sanctioned. It was a very... And like, Halloween was known yeah. as a witch's, you know, holiday. Yeah. So... Right. And so that was that was kind of uh, Arthur Brown's shtick. He was... Uh, he, he would strip naked while performing, because that, that that's a big thing in theater. Yeah. Like, if you go to Broadway or, or, or see a lot of theater performances around Europe and things like that, it's not uncommon at all... Uh, for the performers to strip naked. Now, over here in the states, you know, specifically in the Bible Belt and things of that nature, like you're you're not going to see shit like that. Well, when we get into what I'm going to get to later, you may have changed your opinion on that. Okay. Yeah. So then comes along a guy named Iggy Pop. 
Iggy Pop. Now Iggy Pop, you know, he was he was a uh, one of a kind too, you know, for, yeah. for, the, for the time. He's throwing his body all around on stage, you know, getting all nimbly bimbly in front of the crowds, and it's just you know, he, no one's seen anything like that. Yeah. You know, they were like, what? Again, what, what the, and who? What is the fucking going on here? Yeah. He used to do. Uh, I read an article and I actually saw a a few pictures where somebody had thrown a beer bottle on stage and Iggy did like a backflop on it and started grinding his back into it and got up and was just bleeding. This is when he was with the just Stooges, going with it. Yeah, yeah just going, man. Yeah. Like feeling the music. <laughs> Psycho. I, I guess. Man. Well, <laughs> he's I, still doing it, man. I know, he's and like he's 80, old as fuck. He's like seventy-eight years old. Yeah. Well, he's like Keith Richards. He's gonna fucking outlive us all. He's dude. He's fit. Yeah, you know, and so is uh, so is Jagger. So I don't know, man. Keith, I don't know. I still, I know, I mentioned this in a lot of episodes. I still don't know how Keith and fucking uh, guys like Keith and Iggy Pop are even still alive. Yeah, I I really don't understand it. Um, But along along, in that same timeline, um, I want to mention an honorable mention that was crazy as fuck in that punk rock circuit in the Northeast. Gigi Allen, dude. Oh yeah. Oh Oh, my god. I mean, that guy was. Looked up. Yeah. I, I saw it, uh, an interview where he went on, like, like it was like an Oprah-type show of that time. One of those, uh, you know, whatever talk shows, you get a car, you get a car, whatever things. Yeah. And he was like, you guys think I'm the Antichrist? You're the fucking Antichrist. You're the ones that walk around worshiping a false god and all this kind of shit. Dude, the whole, everybody in the world hated Gigi Allen. Oh, well, dude, I mean, he was tackling songs about pedophilia, racism, yeah. wife beating. Yeah. I mean, all the all of the stuff that you're not supposed all the taboo crap. Yeah, you know, and shitting just, all over himself and throwing it at the crowd and rubbing poop in his cuts and just yeah, pissing yeah. on himself and drinking. I don't know, man. That guy took it he to a He was always level. on the booze, always on the drugs. Yeah. Even after he died, that dude was literally laying dead in an apartment during a house party, and there were strippers, videos and pictures of strippers partying on his dead body. An insanity. And he also that. spent a, long, a lot of his life in prison. Oh, well, yeah. You know, Go figure that. He probably would have died a lot sooner if he didn't. Yeah. And I just don't understand. And I feel like if it wasn't for his shock value, that he wouldn't even have been mentioned, you know, because the guy yeah. was not a musician. Well, then there's that uh, thought. I don't know if it's true, but uh, around the internet right now, uh, they're saying that Christian Bale is going to be playing Gigi Allen in, in a movie about him. A movie about Gigi Allen? Yes. And that and that he wants to portray it as real as possible by doing legit Ooh. stuff with cutting himself and, and shitting on and throwing it at you know people. So I don't know. We'll see how that, that turns out. But <laughs> yeah. Christian Bale. <laughs> Good Allen. God, man. I don't I don't know if I would take that role. He no, if it's I not, not that he's taking it, he wants it. Really? Yeah, he wants to do it. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know about all that, man. Uh, who knows if it's true. Anywho. So, go, going over to uh, the, our next uh, artiste, yeah. would you say uh, Alice Cooper would probably be next on the list? I, I would. Um, now, they're, they're, before you get into Alice, I wanna do want to make a reference to, um, to what Alice said about, about uh, Arthur Brown. He, yeah. sa- he said, uh, quote, can you imagine the young Alice Cooper watching that with all his makeup and hellish performance? It was like all my Halloweens came at once. Now, he's talking about Arthur Brown. Yeah. So that's where Alice Cooper got his idea to, mm-hmm. to, to start what he was starting through, through watching Arthur Brown. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Arthur Brown was obviously, he was a huge influence on Alice Cooper. Yeah. You can see that in his theatrics, you know, because Alice Cooper, uh, he wasn't, you know, 
like guar in the sense of intensely gory. He no. was gory enough yeah. with the guillotine and cutting his head off and stuff yeah. and with the boa, whatever. Um, but he kind of bridged Arthur Brown's theatrics with hard rock. Right. And it, even, it was a semi, by today's standards, it was a semi-tasteful. You know, because he, he also bridged shit like glam. He bridged shit from, like, the New York Dolls and stuff like that. Because they would come right. out in women's clothing right. and mm-hmm. do all these different kind of things. Um, it's funny because he's a, he's a born-again Christian. Oh, I'm sure he is. He's 74 years old. Well, no, I probably not, will be, too. I don't, know when he, he, <laughs> I don't know when he started, you know, if it was a while ago or just recently. But when I saw him in the last interview, I saw him on television. That's, he, was, he was saying, yeah, he's like, I'll go to work. I'll go to church on Sunday. And then Monday, I'll fly to whatever city I have to fly to and then turn into Alice. Yeah. So. Well, he, um, I was actually looking at, he's touring right now, and he's playing at a show in Orlando, and for 750 bucks. He's, dude, he's come to the Florida Theater like 600 times in the past uh, yeah, 10 years. Yeah, I saw years. him. I saw I've him never with Molly Crew. Um, he, I, I wish I was, I, I had to work that day. Dude, he blew the doors off Molly Crew. Really? Blew the fucking doors off of them. That 70, at the time, I think he was 69 or 70 when I saw him. He came out there, I don't it's it's like kind of like Ozzy, man. Like when we saw Ozzy, he sounded too good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I don't know if he was lip syncing. I would like to think he wasn't. Right. But that motherfucker killed it. Oh yeah. And for seven hundred fifty sure bucks down there in Orlando, you can like have a meet and greet with him and hang out with him after the oh, show. For fucking seven hundred fifty dollars, you get a meet and greet anybody. Yeah, I'm not gonna pay that. But I'll, I you screw know, that. Be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, he kind of invented the uh, the rock and roll villain because right. Alice Cooper didn't come on for a while. He was born Vincent Damon Furnier, mm-hmm. uh, and so he he was looking for a shtick, right? right? And right. and so kind of their little their little claim to fame is uh, in their high school they had a talent show, uh, and he got his original bandmates together. You know, Glenn Buxton on lead guitar and Dennis Dunaway on the bass, and they made fun of the Beatles. They were sitting up there and dressed up as the Beatles and made fun of the Beatles and like wrote a bunch of parody songs to Beatles songs. I could see, yeah, I could see they people, won first place. I was gonna say I could see people liking that because there was yeah. a lot of hatred toward the Beatles too. Yeah. As much as there was a lot of likes, there was a lot of hatred. Yeah, yeah. So Alice, Alice was definitely an interesting character. Um, they they moved forward a little bit from that because they realized you know they're like, hey man, we won first place at the talent show. We got a shtick. We got something mm-hmm. to move forward. They're, we're watching. We're interested in shit like Arthur Brown. And, and I think at the time, they were, they were kind of a, a pioneer or, or a, lead, uh, a lead guider in the I'm sick of the hippie shit movement. You know what I mean? Because a lot of those bands back then, you know, the hard rock bands, we're talking like Sabbath and Deep Purple right. and Blue Cheer and all these guys, they were sick of the hippie shit. Right. You know, and they wanted something harder, faster, stronger, you know, and eventually give birth to metal. But... So anyway, in 66, they changed their name to The Spiders, uh, released a couple singles, and began traveling to L.A. to perform gigs and shit like that. Uh, and hence, Alice was born. Hmm. Right? Because mm-hmm. you got to think back then, too, all these clean-cut... I wouldn't say clean-cut guys like Jimmy and Janice and all that. They weren't clean-cut, but they also weren't gruesome. Right. They were rock heroes. You know what I mean? People looked at them as like rock gods, rock heroes. Yeah. yeah. And, and Alice, I think... Uh, portrayed the first depiction of a rock villain. Right. You know what I mean? Somebody you love to hate. Mm-hmm. Somebody sinister. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So that, I, I, totally oh, I always that, thought yeah. that was really kind of cool. That's definitely the way it went down. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever uh, Did you ever look into the uh, the chicken incident? No. In Toronto? No, I didn't hear. I don't think I've ever heard that story. That that kind of blew. That's that was kind of the mo- the the 
time where Alice blew up. It was in 69. Uh, they were at the Toronto Rock and Roll Festival um, in September 69. Uh, and somebody, so they were doing their, you know, their stage performance because, you know, he would guillotine his head off. Mm-hmm. And another thing they would do is they would take like 20 feather pillows mm-hmm. and bring them on stage, cut them open, and shoot them with CO2 cartridges in the whole fucking stadium. Would yeah. fill up with feathers and it'd be crazy, whatever. So anyway, somebody threw a chicken on stage. And Alice didn't know where the fuck it came from. Like a like a full dead chicken? Yeah, like a no, a live chicken. Oh. Like an okay. Ozzy Osbourne type thing. Okay. Threw a fucking live chicken on stage and and, and uh, how Alice describes it is he's like uh, I'm you know, I'm from Detroit. I don't fucking know nothing about no birds. I just see wings and I don't know, a fucking bird. I throw it up in the air. I figure it's going to fly away. Mm-hmm. Well, it landed in the front row, <laughs> and the crowd tore it to pieces. Oh, shit. And it's funny, and it's interesting, because the, the only people that were in the front row were the wheelchair section. Ah. So they fucking uh-huh. tore it up. <laughs> you know? Yes. And so, on, you know, onward forward, it was, you know, the PETA people were after him. The, uh, you know, the, the rumors turned into Alice killed a chicken and drank the blood on stage. And, and that was the first of that nature. That was the first of the shticks. That's pretty wild. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Alice yeah, I mean, Cooper's cool, man. Hey, I don't have anything against the guy, you know? He's he's a good he's a good artist. Except for what 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 is that piece of flaming hot wet garbage you sent me to listen to about two weeks ago, and uh, you actually described it as just that hot wet garbage. His new EP that he put out. Oh yeah, let's just, let's just, let's like let's discuss that for a second. That was terrible. Awful. I mean, he he's pulling for straws on I guess uh, his, his latest. I mean the, the instruments sound good for what it is. But, yeah. But his vocals were terrible. Yeah, and let's just let's just say the music was terrible too, because he, he's got a lot of control. He wanted that old school Chuck Berry sound. Yeah, with his, you know, and that's not what he is. I mean, maybe that's what yeah. he likes, but it, it doesn't sound like Alice Cooper. It sounds like Alice Pooper. Alice, Alice Pooper. <laughs> I think he was trying to trying to go a different direction. I think it's a little little too much, a little too late mm. in that regard. He should have stuck with like the Lita Ford days, you know, with, yeah. with, with the '80s metal type stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, the guy, he was a working man, because I'll say his his big prominence was probably from 69 to 73. Yeah. Uh, and he dropped seven studio albums in that time. That's four years. That's that's, uh, that's moving and yeah, shaking, that's, that's dude. Definitely, that's was, definitely getting it out there. Yeah, he was moving, man. And Well, uh, he wanted to strike while the iron was hot. He wanted to make the cash, man, because that's, yeah. that's what he's about. It's just a big cash cow for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. sure he loves the music. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure. I mean, it's all about making money. And, uh, at the end of the day, for him, you know, if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna put your heart and soul into it, you might as well make it profitable and pay the fucking pay the bills, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> fame and fortune, hand in hand. Yeah, and he, I think he inspired. Um, I think Alice, because Arthur Brown's a kind of a, you know, he's a he's known probably in that community, right? But he's not super well known. No, Screaming Jay Hawkins, you know, they know I put a spell on you. Well, then that's where in the mid '70s, that's where Kiss came into play and said, "Hey, listen, you know, Alice, you're cool and everything, but we're taking this shit up up, up in a notch." Yeah. So, that's kind of where I think the influence came from Kiss. Alice, Who, Cooper. Alice? Alice Cooper. Well, Alice was first. I know, but I think Kiss is had that they're influenced by Alice. Oh is, yeah, is, is where they they, oh, they came out. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And and Kiss too, like. I'm not a huge Kiss fan. Neither am I. Yeah, I'm not. But their early stuff, 
Like if you listen to like 1974 Kiss, like yeah. their self-titled album, and then listen to like 1977 Kiss with Love Gun, yeah, different band, dude. Oh, for sure, completely different. And then band. you fast forward to Bill and Ted's God Gave Rock and Roll Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't mess with that. <laughs> yeah. But Kiss, man, like I know uh, we had we had Tricky Dicky Rick Renegade on here not too long ago, and he had mentioned something that was very true with kiss is they've they became a uh a symbol you know what i mean oh yeah they are the metal band of the 70s oh yeah yeah i mean besides sabbath but that was 60s yeah but they're not you know they're not good musicians like you know what i mean ace freely and and you know chris and and gene and i mean they're all terrible but they're they're definitely not like you know, drop your jaw on the ground type no. musicians. Yeah, no, no, they're not. But they're they're. But their but their entertainment value is where they make up for it, right? Because they, know? I think, with Kiss, they stepped away from. They found their shtick in theatrics, of course. Again, Gene Simmons, the biggest dick in rock and roll, right? Also, the biggest money mongrel, right? You know, I got to give him credit where credit's due. I mean, that was probably mostly him. You know, you know, with, with the blood and the tongue and the. You know, yeah. that's, that's where Guar got their idea for the big ass, you know, boots and, and, and gear that they wore. I yep. mean, so they, they did have a lot of originality when it came to the uh, stage performance and the oh, entertainment. Huge aspects. originality. Oh, yeah. Huge originality. I mean, I don't have anything personally against the band. Uh, obviously, they were intensely influential throughout rock and roll history. Right. Because uh, I think know. when they first started, they were performing without makeup, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. And then. One day they said, "Let's just put this makeup on and see what happens." And that's yeah. bang. They were well, like, they wanted a shtick. That's and that's what <laughs> they got one. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. wanted a shtick. You know, they they started off as a Wicked Lester in '73, uh, and then quickly changed over uh, to Kiss. You know, with the and I think it's even interesting too, like the way they spell their name with the backwards S's to, that symbolize yeah. the Nazi yeah. SS symbol. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, just one of those like stick it to the man type of things. Oh yeah. Know? And it and it's and it's interesting too because we think we talked about Alice Cooper being a, a big, uh, you know, parents hate him and shock rock is usually predominantly hated and forbidden by parents, you know, because they just don't understand, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But Kiss, they had kids in the front row of the show and parents, kids, yeah, parents loving them. They loved it. Yeah, oh, dude, I remember being a kid. And Kiss was on like national TV, and like it was like ABC at nine o'clock, you know, for, for, for during Halloween time. Kiss is gonna do an hour and a half performance on TV tonight, kids. Let's all watch. And like I had a Kiss little plastic guitar and shit. Like yeah. they were they were mass marketing all yeah, that shit to yeah. the kids. Oh, you yeah. probably had a Kiss lunchbox. I might have. You probably did. I might have. I mean, shit. But I think it was more ET. Yeah, more ET. <laughs> well, yeah, they strayed away from that rock and roll villain aspect of Alice Cooper because you got to think like Alice did it first, and they came around so much, uh, you know, qu- so quick after Alice did that they were gonna they were gonna get compared to Alice anyway. You know what I mean? They were gonna in in the critics and in the papers and whatever in the papers they were gonna get over compared day. over day over he they were gonna get compared to Alice, so yeah. they had to do something a little bit different. Right. Or else people would have been like, man, your music sucks. Uh, Alice Cooper did it. Simpsons did it. <laughs> yeah, Fuck right. off, you know? Right. So they they strayed away from the rock and roll villain thing, and they adopted the more circus act theatrics persona. 
Right, right. You know, like Ace Freely coming out with rockets coming out of his guitar, and you yeah, know, yeah. Peter Chris freaking up there drumming in the air, which is where Tommy. I'm they, sure Tommy Lee got it from. They have all their little separate platform stages that mm-hmm. they performed on. I think they were probably the first group to do that too. You know, think had, so? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I oh mean, yeah, that would make sense. I don't know of any other group, you know, before them that that would have like individualized risers, you know, that they, yeah. they performed on. Well, God, could you imagine like the. Uh, after they, you know, their rise to prominence years, like, you know, 75 through 78, could you imagine the budget, like the studio budget they fucking had, man? You know? It was like, do whatever you want. You guys are, are, are you know, rock gods. Yeah. Yeah. You got the fucking semi-trucks backed up to the show venues they were at. Was God, they probably had three or four deep, you know? Oh, at least. Or maybe one for every performer. Maybe. You know? That was back in the time when bands traveled together, too. Yeah. Like we're all going to this city together now. They all have their separate tour buses and sleep overnight. And you know, what, what band were you talking about? What is it, Mick Jagger, that has his every hotel that he stays in, diddied up? How like he has his little man servants and lady servants go yeah. in there and yeah. diddy up his hotel room like his home? Was it Mick Jagger? It was Mick Jagger. Yeah. Wow. Super douche. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I just want my house to look like my house. I couldn't imagine, like, everywhere I went, I have to, okay, Jeeves and Janet, I want this whole place to look at my house. I'm going out for a crumpet and some tea, and before I come back, I want everything here, even Toto the dog. Yeah, when he goes, when he goes to the hospital, it's going to be like the water boy. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Boucher, please put everything the way I like it in my, my hospital bedroom, please. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so yeah, Kiss, they came out with, uh, their, I think they had six studio albums between 74 and 77. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive, you know, for a three-year span. Yeah. But then they started going their own way, and obviously they came back for some reunion tours and all these kind of different things. And I think what Paul Stanley had, like, a solo career and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Paul Stanley had a solo Do you want to move on to another uh, artiste? Yeah. Who do we have next in line? Well, I think the next one, we're not going to spend too much time talking about this, this particular band. I don't really have much to say, mm. is Wasp. Wasp. We can. T- when, when did Wasp start coming around? In the eighties, man. Was it? Yeah. I have. I have one band per- before them, but we'll talk about Wasp, and then we'll get. Go to ahead. Them. Was it the Plasmatics? No, I got the Misfits. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I got the Misfits, um, which is a different aspect because uh, all these bands we're talking Alice in uh, Kiss and and Screaming Jay. He kind of combined blues into rock and roll and theatrics, whatever. Uh, the Misfits created their own little subgenre, horror punk. Hmm. Oh, yeah, because Halloween and all yep. this. Oh. I remember Halloween. Yep. Yeah. So they were founded in 1977 in Lodi, New Jersey. Shout out to my buddy Dan, Dan Stadnick. He loves the Misfits. So, uh, you know, I know he's glad I'm t- we're talking about it here. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they were form- uh, formed by keyboardist and lead singer Glenn Danzig and Jerry Only, uh, as well mother. as. J- yeah, Mother. Which. Uh, and also Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein, which is Jerry Only's brother. Okay. Yeah. And there must be some weird, like, spike in testosterone in that people's family. Because have you ever seen Doyle, the guitar player? No. He's a fucking monster. Yeah. And Jerry Only looks like a linebacker that could literally play for, like, the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> He's giant. Both of them are fucking and giant. And Dan's like a big guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big wide, not big tall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but He's got a big ego. Even so, I mean... Can you imagine? No one wanted to fuck with the Misfits. Exactly. They were, you know. They were straight horror. Punk kings. Yeah. Yeah. They were straight horror. And I feel like, uh, I think this is a good lead off from Kiss because 
the Misfits, they were not fantastic musicians. Yeah. But they sung about shit that wasn't being sung about. You know what I mean? They, yeah. were, they were talking about, you know, raping mothers and killing babies and all this kind of, like, last caress. I'll yeah. rape your mother today. Yes. You know what I yeah. mean? And so, which is the first song I ever heard by them. But anyway, so they were doing something completely different. They stuck on the straight-up horror side of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that was their shtick, and they, they went home with it. So what exactly happened? Like, why, why did they break up? <laughs> why do you think? I don't remember. Glenn. Glenn wanted to Danzig. go solo yeah. and do his he own thing. He wanted to go solo and fucking peaced out. And he did. Yeah, he and did. He successfully, too. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know any other songs by Danzig other than Mother. Dirty Black Summer. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard <laughs> of that. Never heard that one? Uh-uh. Uh, I had a buddy of mine in high school. He was a big Danzig fan. He had the, you know, the cow skull, cow on, his, skull. On, his, on his arm and stuff. I got the Misfit skull. I don't know if I'd get a Danzig skull, though. Yeah, well. Maybe if somebody bought it for me. Yeah, uh, but they did come out with with two uh, two albums with Danzig, uh, "Walk Among Us" in '82 and "Earth AD" and "Wolf's Blood" in 1983, um, with the original lineup, um, and then they disbanded right as the second album came out in 1983, uh, and then became the became the big legal battle between Glenn and the the rest of the guys uh, over music rights. Obviously, and so that's kind of how that so who, formed. Who won the battle? Uh, actually, Jerry Only and Doyle won it. I was going to say because you never hear Glenn performing Misfit, Misfit songs, right? No, but they're touring right now. They're actually doing a uh, a reunion show at Madison Square Garden at the end of the month. I would really that's love cool. to be there. That's cool. That's fucking really cool. Uh, but they did they did pick up a little bit of speed. They they broke up for a while, uh, and then they they reformed in 1995 with Michael Graves and drummer Dr. Chud. Okay, uh, and they released a, a, a few albums. Um, the most prominent, probably American Psycho in '97, and Famous Monsters in '99. And then they broke up again in 2000. And then they had a 25-year me- reunion tour with Black Flag guitarist uh, Des Candina mm-hmm. and Marky Ramone. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so they became a a staple, and they also became an icon. Man, like mis- oh, yeah. you see misfit skulls on everything. Oh, dude, dude. the Crimson Skull. I see one at least one a day on someone's car. You know? <laughs> I got one on my car. There you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, the Crimson Ghost uh, has become a staple. Yeah. You know, and, and like that song, uh, have you ever seen the music video for the song Scream of no. theirs? No. Oh, it's fucking fantastic, dude. It's set in like a hospital setting and Doyle's walking through. They got all the gruesome makeup. They look like zombies and they're taking over a hospital. It's pretty fucking cool. So l- let me get off topic just for a second because you're sure. talking about videos. Did you see that? You saw the video I sent you with that uh, Slayer. They're doing an acoustic yeah. Slayer. I, dude, I was that was shocking to me. I, I w- can't. When I, it when was I, almost cringeworthy. Right. I was like, so if, I don't remember who 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 it was. Araya. Araya. Was it Araya? So you guys. And what was the name of the song? Do you remember that? I don't it, remember. It was, the name it was one of, of their the famous song. ones. Yeah. But that was a sick video. Yeah. Yeah. These. But it's it's just it's just a very unique thing to see Slayer doing that well ukulele yeah and, and then you know it's like the ukulele players turn into like these demons and oh yeah the chick you're talking about right oh and i thought it, you were talking about tom araya playing no 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 playing no, no, acoustic because i saw a video of that too I, the one i sent you oh where, yeah where they had a bloodbath that was actually pretty cool that was like shocking when i first that saw female I was like, singer what yeah they're all kind of sitting there playing ukulele and then it flashes the lights yeah. like in an old elevator and they all start fucking and then, dying and things the, the players turn into demons and like the people around them get slayed and yeah eaten 
That sick. was that was kind of cool. It was sick. Okay, so we're we're in the eighties. So we're, we're in the eighties. We're gonna you know Wasp was around. About, I don't know much about Wasp. I don't either, and I never liked them. And so like I, we could just kind of just like skip them, honestly, because hmm. they they were just they were shock rock, but they were shock rock for the wrong reasons. They, yeah. they you know they they were kind of just like you know racist. I think I don't know racist. Yeah, yeah. But so King Diamond and Ozzy Osbourne mm. going solo. Those were the shocking Motley Crue. That was a shock in, yeah. in, in the eighties. Yeah. Um, Motley Crue, just because they dressed up, I guess, and they had mm-hmm. the pentagrams, and they were, you know, shout the devil. Yeah, that was that was their stick. But as far as you know, um, like real shock rock, probably King Diamond and Ozzy were, were the king. Oh yeah, you know, were, were you know? Well, King Diamond embraced the satanic stuff. Like guys right. like him and Venom, Venom they embraced the you know the yeah. pentagrams, the satanic. It wasn't like Slayer who kind of just that, they put that label on them. Right, and they kind of just ran with it. Like, like Venom and King Diamond embraced that. Yeah, they shit. were actual Satanists. Yeah, they were. They were. <laughs> well, I think Wasp Satanists. was too, but were they? Yeah, and then Ozzy, you know, claims nowadays that he he never was, but back in those days, he was he was saying it all over the place. You know, I mean, you got a song called Mister Crowley. Exactly, exactly. You yeah. know, Alistair Crowley was one his, of the biggest his Satanic al- magicians. His album covers, obviously, Diary yeah. of a Madman. You know, yeah. and, and then what was the Bark at the Moon? Bark at you the know, Moon. You know, I love yep. I love his album covers. You know, growing up. Oh yeah, that's back when album covers were still good. And then he had the whole, you know, we're not going to get into it. The whole, you know, ripping, the, eating the head off a bat thing. You know, that was yeah, that was that was, cool, uninten- cool that was unintentional shock rock. Yeah, you know, because he didn't intend to do that. Well, he probably didn't even know where the fuck he was he, at that point. Well, he claims he he thought it was a rubber bat. So yeah, but, yeah. Well, I don't know about all that. So then we move into a group called the Plasmatics. Plasmatics. Have you ever listened to them? Once or twice. I've not, heard they're them. Not, actually not too bad. They were yeah. in the 80s. They were actually formed in Yale University mm-hmm. by an art school graduate named Ron Swenson and Wendy O. Williams. Um, now, they broke countless taboos, um, chainsaw, chainsawing guitars, blowing up speaker cabinets, sledgehammering television sets. I mean, blowing up automobiles live on stage. I mean, these guys were just trying to go big. I don't know. Whatever yeah. they wanted, were going to do on stage, they, they wanted to be noticed by the public yeah for sure yeah yeah that's that was a shtick man that was that's what you needed to do like uh venom used to pull some shit like that they would throw uh raw meat into the crowd and stuff yeah you know they had a member of the band and she was uh known for just sitting there fondling her tits the whole time wow while while they were playing yeah fantastic yeah i mean i'd see that i mean (laughs) i think i'm not gonna say what is what 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 it said next but what they said you wonder what do we got that's that's what she's doing scratching her sweaty snatch and eating the drum kit amongst other playful events was that an official word in like rolling stone uh yeah really this was how they they, 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 yeah they described um wendy orleans williams wow Wow. for for short they called yeah i would say wow wow wendy Wow, Wendy. Didn't know you had that in you tonight. Yeah, I guess Maria Brink is taking <laughs> well, a little bit What didn't you of have in you tonight? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's probably a better question. Uh, and I also want to talk about something, too, that was pretty significant since we're talking about the 80s. Uh, the PMRC, the Tipper uh, Gore thing, okay. right. the, the parental you know, advisory explicit content stickers. Do you know the first album that, that had that sticker? I, 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 no, but it feels to me like it would be... Uh, Twisted Sister or a Megadeth album. It was actually Two Live Crew. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, so horny. Really? Oh, oh, so horny. Oh, my God. Yep, that was the first one. And I remember explicitly because my buddy was like, explicitly. I had to have my mom go buy me the new two live crew because it's got these stupid fucking advisory parental things on them now. <laughs> I know you see a lot of uh, a lot of movies that has that as the ringtone. Oh, me so horny. <laughs> yeah. I came from what? Full Metal Jacket? No, 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 no. No, no it was. Was, was it in there? Full Metal Jacket is where that came oh, from. Oh, me so horny. Yeah. Me love you long time. Me love you long time. I thought you were talking about the ringtone came from. No, there. no, no, no. Like, oh. I'm saying we were that, we're that track. Right? Yeah. But see, back then, like, uh, it had a reverse effect because uh, the PMRC and Tipper Gore, uh, they called them tipper stickers. They thought it was a huge triumph. They're like, oh, sweet, man. We got, uh, you know, we got this, you know, parental advisory sticker on here. You know, we're going right. to let, this is going to prevent, you know, moms from buying shit. No, this actually exploded it. This okay. has exploded the scene because you got to think about it, man. Like when somebody tells you, oh, man, this movie, dude, this movie's real gruesome. I don't know if you're going to want to watch it. What do you want to do? <laughs> What's the first thing I want to do is go watch it. Yeah. Don't watch The Evil Dead. That's like the scariest movie ever made. Yeah. What? Where can yeah. I rent it? I immediately want to go home and, <laughs> and, and get this movie. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so that's that's the effect that it had. Like all Alice Cooper stuff, all the shock rock guys. That's And that's, that's the, the marketing. That's, that's, that's the that's marketing, the genius man. of it, you know. That's the marketing stuff behind that. So, so who came next? Next, um, well, well, we're moving into the '90s, right? Then you, then you have to talk about Guar. Guar. Guar was was you know before Manson. Yeah. So uh, when Guar came on the scene, they, they came they in were, the '80s. They were late '80s. Yeah, yeah late '80s. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they didn't really start getting taken off until like early '90s. Yeah. They were um, they were out of Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. Yep. In the '80s. Yep. They were uh, a collaboration of artists and musicians. Mm. So, like, you know, you had, like, a, a bunch of different backgrounds. That's where the puppetry mm-hmm. and, like, the stage, you know, presence came from. Um, they were inspired by the writer H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Okay, so a lot of their uh, multiverse character costumes came from Cthulhu Mythos, I guess you call it. Okay. So, um you know, they had, you know, a lot of crazy shit. Like, they was pretending to murder each other. You know, they, um, they, they didn't like a group called the Mentors. We'll, we'll get to them in a second. Yeah. Because uh, they, they condemned them on, on when they were on their Jerry Springer show, when they were on that show. Right. Because uh, the Mentors uh, advocated rape. That's, that's, that's why they didn't like them. But um, Guar... I've seen Guar personally like nine times. They were the first concert. I've only ever, seen them once. Uh, they were the first concert I ever ever went went to. Um, I can't say enough about the stage performances, man. They were just Holy so shit. freaking great. You know, back in the '90s, yeah. Compared to when I saw them the last time before the lead singer died, yeah. Um, it was like a different band. Like yeah. I, I saw them at Freebird the last time I saw them, and it was like. The stage was so small, they couldn't even move in their huge, giant kiss boots and, and, and yeah. costumes, let alone do any kind of like puppetry you know, performance. But yeah. back in the 90s, they used to have this, um, this wheel they used to bring out with this dead body. It used to be called the Wheel of Torture. Yeah. And so they'd spin it on stage, and then the wheel would stop, and then he would rip off a body part on, on the wheel, and of course, yeah. it would start splitting blood and blah, blah, blah. And then the lead singer, Odoriferous, used to take his, his fake junk out yeah and, and pretend like he was he was having sex with the corpse on yeah. the wheel and then he would turn around yeah. and he would spew green and, and green black come all and over it was, it was all different colors of the rainbow yeah but, he but was nuts dave, man. the lead singer dave brocky man he was 
a really, really original artist. Odorous Arungus, And, then, you know, people say that they, did, they never had talent. Maybe maybe they didn't have the best talent. Maybe they, they weren't, like, top top 40. But guess what? You know, for what they were, the metal act that they yeah. were, they were freaking awesome. But man. talent and what? That's what I want to say. Like, what category like a, are we putting them well, in? Like, pentatonic scaling or soloing or like is that what we're defining talent well yeah as? because it was like a lot of stop and go rock you know because they'd stopped and performed and well st- i mean i'd say originality and theatrics and stage performance that's so i mean their costumes were always outrageous yeah they were you know they're made they were made out of like you know like hardened rubber and foam latex and um they always had like bare parts that were accentuated with makeup you know what i'm saying but they were right. a very scantily clad group yeah. as as well um now everybody knows that they were famous for spraying blood and stuff on the crowds. Yeah. Now I did a little bit of research, a little looking around. Most of the fluids that they were they were made of water and powdered food coloring, which for the most part will, will flake off when you, when you when you go to wash it out of your hair and your clothes yeah. and stuff. The thicker fluids were made from a clear seaweed extract called carrageenan. Huh. Which is used in ice cream and milkshakes. So super organic. Anybody lactose tolerant is well, just fucked out there. The first time I saw them, they came out uh, for an encore as their secondary band called um, was it Dead Cops. Yeah. So when they came back out for their, their secondary encore, yep. they started spewing out blood, and it was a darker blood. Everybody thought it was like animal blood. You know? yeah. We knew that it, there's no way it could have been, but a buddy yeah. of mine was getting a mouthful of it in the front. <laughs> it was nasty. I remember when I saw him, man. I don't remember when it was. I want to say it was back in like 07 yeah. or 08. I saw him in Orlando with Lamb of God. They opened up for Lamb of God. Oh, so you didn't see a full-on gore performance. No, no. no. Well, and it was nuts, though. It's crazy. You. I mean, every club had to you know, cover up all the speakers and stuff uh-huh. because they didn't want any damage to their clubs and stuff. But, yeah. Um, so they didn't use any uh, corn syrups for their stage blood because uh, those dry solid and they didn't want their costumes to get damaged. So well, and plus too, they probably didn't want to put anything that, there that was you know potentially toxic to people to now, start getting sued and shit. Now bear with me, they have a live show that mutilates pretty much celebrities. Yeah, and 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 political figures. Yeah. So let's let's read a couple of the celebrities in the past shows. Sure. O.J. Simpson, John Kerry, Mike Tyson. Every American president since Ronald Reagan, yep. Jerry Garcia, Pope John Paul II, Osama bin Laden, Michael Jackson, Al Gore, John McCain, Hillary Clinton, Paris Hilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Adolf Hitler, Lady Gaga, Marilyn Manson, Jerry Springer, Mr. Lordi, Sarah mm. Palin, Snooki, Mitt Romney, Pope Francis, Justin Bieber, Tony Abbott, Donald Trump, and many, many others. That's that's a lot of puppetry, man. That's a lot of freaking shit to carry around. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. You want to say there's no talent there, like... And then every year they have the barbecue. Yeah, they, they used to have the barbecue before uh, for Dave OD'd on heroin a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, 2014. Um, they also have their own barbecue sauce flavors. Really? They have their own vape flavors. That's cool. It's they have a lot of like marketing skills. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that was their shtick. Yeah, they I mean, were marketers. That's they how they made their money by touring. That's right. how they made money. Right. You know? I don't know, man. Like I think they were great. When I saw them, they killed uh, they killed Paris Hilton and George Bush. Nice. Yeah. They uh, decapitated Paris Hilton and they brought out like this gigantic dick. Yeah. That you had to, they, and like all eight of them were sitting there like heaving on this thing until <laughs> yeah. it just sprayed fake cum all over everybody. It's it's such a, it's such a great show. And of course, go. I was like, you know, nineteen in the front row. I was like, yes, please give me all your fake cum. It was awesome. Now they were nominated for two Grammy awards, one for best metal performance for the movie SFW, okay, and best long form video for uh, Phallus in Wonderland. 
So Phallus and Wonderland could not could not believe they were they were actually nominated for Grammys. That's cool though. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Theatrics. Yeah, whoever said they had no talent is a fucking but idiot. As far as shock rock, they're probably like my they're top, up there. Like my top three of all time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're definitely up there, dude. For okay, sure. So uh, who's next? Uh, it's got to be Marilyn. Got to be Marilyn. You know, it's got to be Marilyn Manson. Yeah, that dude. He he brought a whole nother aspect to it because he probably sat down, you know, he was sitting he was probably sitting down old Brian Warner. Uh, he was sitting there. He was going, all right. Well, I want to be weird. I am weird, and obviously I'm from Ohio, so I'm inherently semi weird. And so I want to do something that Alice and Kiss. I think it's from Boca, but maybe that was later. No, he he moved over there to oh. Fort Lauderdale area. Yeah, and yeah. then that's when they started getting a little bit bigger gotcha uh when i think he moved over there when he was in like high school or you know something like that he oh, was just, okay he was just born in ohio he spent the majority of his life here in florida um and so he did and he started i think with him his shtick must have been he combined uh sexuality yeah weird perverse sexuality into his music right kind of like horror sex yeah mainstreaming right and yeah. and whereas Guar, you know, they were executing past presidents and all and this. They had Silvestria on stage, but right, but they weren't like directly coming out and and saying it. And they weren't. They didn't have John Five busting out these killer guitar tones. You know, right. I mean, the music was there. Right. That you know, for for me, Portrait of American Family is in my top twenty of all time. Right. Greatest albums. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and they started off as uh, you know the Spooky Kids, and then it was uh, they started combining their names. With, uh, you know, with serial killer names, obviously, hence the name Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so Twiggy they started Ramirez. playing. Yeah, right. I was uh, roommates with Twiggy Ramirez's cousin. Really? Yeah. Oh, and another fact, I used to uh, work at the Boca Raton Resort and Club down in uh, Boca. And uh, the girl I knew there, she was a little older than me at the time. She, her, her boyfriend uh, was in a band, and they used to open up for Marilyn Manson, so they were all buddies. And she said for their first appearance on 120 Minutes, um, you know, the Manson crew, they all came to their apartment to watch it because they recorded it, you know, on, on VHS. That's super cool. Yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah, that's super cool. But, yeah, he uh, he definitely... Yeah, he, that- he used to work at that uh, record store, Coconuts in Boca. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I bet you they're like, yeah, man, fucking Manson used to work here. Uh, Brian. He, yeah, Brian. <laughs> my buddy Brian used to work here. Uh, so, yeah, he started having his, his rise to power in the, uh, the mid-90s. Um, their first album, Portrait of an American Family, uh, came out in 1994. Uh, not a super well-known album, oh, however. Dude, I listened to that motherfucker. Did that, you really? That, that summer, I listened to nonstop Manson and Nails, you know. And yeah. That, that album fucking might have wore out. My, 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 my dad was huge into Manson. Oh, dude, Manson, Manson was king that summer, for real. Yeah. 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 I've but seen them probably like seven or eight times, too. I've never seen him. Really? Nuh-uh. Oh, man. He came, I feel like his, his, big, uh, his big rise to power, though, was probably Antichrist Superstar. Yeah. That's when you know, the beautiful people and, and, and shit like that came well, out. My like first Warren time Boy seeing those guys, it was at the small-ass club in Jersey called the Birch Hill. Yeah. And it was, dude, and we, and we were, we, okay, we see, we took some, we dropped some acid that day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we went, we went and dude, there was nobody there except all these gothic 
people, man. And like, it was like the, the weirdest thing in, in the mosh pit, dude. And, and like, you see like these guys, with these, 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 they weren't, they weren't fake vampire teeth. They had like implanted vampire teeth and they were in the mosh yeah. pit just like, and then Manson was like, you know, like as far as we are, that's how far he was from wow. this. Cause the stage was small wow. and there was nobody there. And he was like spitting and I would see trails coming off a spit. Like, I'm like, Get me the fuck out of here! Yeah. I, wa- I wanted to well, leave. Especially you, whole, you're a germaphobe. I loved. Right? I wanted to see him so bad, but I was so I was so fucked up. I was like, "Get me out of here!" But yeah, yeah we stayed the whole show. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't great. handle that. It was shit. great. It was great. Yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely super prominent in the mid to late '90s, early 2000s, man. Like oh he, yeah, and he was super controversial, man. Like uh, when he got naked on stage. Well, not naked, but you know, he was in that like bodysuit, yeah. whatever that that you know BDSM suit that he used to come out with. Yeah. And I feel like. He started recruiting a little, reclusing a little bit, because you remember the Columbine. I'm sure you remember the Columbine. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah. Because uh, get your gun, that yeah. that famous single he had. That they wanted to retract yeah. that single, and he was like, "No, fuck that." Yeah, he was. Uh, and I, that's funny. You should mention the goth guys too, because that I feel like Manson was a was the true pioneer and catalyst behind the goth scene. I could see that. But I there really were, do. I mean, there was other bands at the time, yeah. but yeah, he was definitely the the, the first and foremost right. of the, of that category. Yeah, and Reznor Reznor produced his first album. Oh yeah, he he. I mean, one of the times I saw him was going to Nine Inch Nails yeah. at the Philly Spectrum. Yeah, and nine, you know, freaking uh, Manson opened up. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Manson was a huge oh, public. figure. And then he fucked Manson, or I don't know who fucked, but remember that song by Reznor. It's called Starfuckers. Yeah. It was about Manson fucking him over. Yeah. Once, once he became, you know, famous. Yep. That's right, man. And that was probably after that first album, shortly after. It's probably The Hand That Feeds. That's probably another one, you know, reference to Manson. Yep. But um, he was a prick, man. Yeah. You seen that video where he, he would like be like kicking John Five on stage and shit? Yeah. And John would be like, get the fuck off of me. He threw his guitar down like, you going to keep kicking me or I'm going to fucking kill you? And he's like, I'm sorry. And he's laughing about it on stage. Yeah. You guys look it up on, on YouTube. It's a fucking retarded video. I, Diva and a half. I can't dude. believe that happened. Yeah. You know, I would if I was John Five, I would have quit the band that day. Oh, that, for sure. Apparently, that was every day, all day long. He was doing that. Is shit Is he to still him. playing with him? Hell no. He's playing with Zombie. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing with Zombie. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Another shock rock band. Yeah. Rob yeah. Zombie. Another shock rock band. Uh, that that's another horror band. But yeah, so Manson uh, after Columbine, he was blamed for a lot of it, and then after that, he kind of reclused from the public eye a little bit, you know. Mm, yeah. Kind of held back and was like, eh, "All right. We'll uh we'll we'll back this up a little bit cuz he started getting some re- like death threats, like serious shit, like, you know, the FBI was knocking on his door and, you know. So anyway. Um, um well, so uh we want to go on some uh, some other bands if you want. Sure. Uh The Mentors. Now that ah. was the one that they were talking about, like mm-hmm. rave and crap, you know. And then they were, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into them really too much. They were garage punk metal, I guess you can classify them that. But their big, one of their big claims of fame is two days before uh, Kurt Cobain died, mm-hmm. the, the drummer El Duce, El Duce, he claims that um, Courtney Love offered him money to kill Kurt. Really? Oh, I remember seeing that El yeah. Duce. Yeah, El Duce. I remember seeing that on one of the, um, I think it was not soaked in bleach, but it was a different one. Kurt, it was on Kurt, the Kurt, Kurt and Courtney documentary on Netflix. Okay. They did an interview with him. Yeah. That, and they that's, were talking about it. And who, who's to say he's, he's not telling the truth, really. Who's to say? I mean, who knows? There's another one called the uh, Dwarves. That's another, mm-hmm. another band. Do um, you know anything about those guys? No. When were they around? Uh, those, they were around the 90s, like early okay. 90s. 
Um, their reputation was wildly unpredictable stage shows. Yeah. Featured sex, blood, furious and f- fist fighting between each, each other on purpose. I mean, Some real Gigi Allen shit there. They were a mess. Nice. Um, I like messes. <laughs> the guitarist, his, uh, his, his, he went by uh, he who cannot be named. Ah. Would perform in a jock strap and a wrestling mask. Perfect. And um, they claimed he was dead as a publicity stunt. Now Manson did this kind of the same thing. Uh, he one year when they were making it big, he also said that he was going to commit suicide on Halloween night on uh, on stage. So everybody was like waiting to hear November 1st. Is Manson, is Manson dead? Is Manson No. Dead? No. <laughs> he's just going to go kick John 5 a little bit <laughs> yeah. is what he's going to do. And then uh, we can go into uh, R- Rammstein. Rammstein. Uh, there's one that I want to talk about most prominently, which came out, came out around the same time as Rammstein. Uh, Slipknot. Slipknot. Slipknot was a very, very prime example. And, and I think because mo- the majority of these uh, shock rock bands that we've talked about tonight, uh, aside from maybe, you know, Venom, uh, they were predominantly hard rock. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't seriously, uh, like, like I said, other than Venom, uh, I wouldn't classify them as metal. And I think Slipknot brought the metal scene to uh, the shock rock scene to the metal scene. It just all depends on what kind of metal you're thinking about. Right. Back in the uh, 80s, Ozzy was considered metal, you know? True. True. I'm talking about like... The, I know the, what you're the, talking about. Yeah. Hard, heavy... Hard, heavy metal. Death, black yeah. metal type black stuff. Black metal type yeah. stuff. Uh, you know, we've talked about Slipknot before. In case you didn't check their episode, they were... Or see that episode of ours. Uh, they were formed by Sean Crahan in the early 90s. Um, they picked up Corey Taylor from Stone Sour in 1997, and that's when they recorded that absolute fucking bombshell of a self-titled album. Oh yeah, you know, and and I, you know, their their self-titled album which dropped in 1999, and I think. Uh, one of their biggest moves forward in that was kind of their more commercialized sound when they got like Sid, you know, Sid Wilson, when they got DJ Starscream in there to start because they combined a whole lot of shit. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Stage and it, presence and theatrics with hard rock with a little bit of hip hop influence with Sid on the on the turntables in the back. And it didn't sound all jumbled and fucked no, up. No, it sounded great for yeah. nine people yeah. to get that coordinated. Like yeah. that sounded pretty fucking good. And that's, that's a, impressive. That's a lot of practice. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's very impressive. Yeah, and I remember uh, you had mentioned uh, why you know the whole maggots thing. They call their yeah their, their, their fan fans maggots, and I I did a little bit of digging on that, and I found out kind of the reason. Well, what what Sean Crahan says is the reason why. Now, when I say this, you have to you have to take this for with a grain of salt because this is also the guy that before shows in their first you know three or four albums used to keep a fermented crow in a jar of formaldehyde take a big whiff of it before stage before going on stage and sometimes puking into his mask and he would play the entire show with this fucking crow stench up his nose and puke all over his mask anyway so he uh he describes Lovely. it he's like the reason we call our fans maggots is because we're playing to a group of people that we want to portray our pain and our hate you know and we want the maggots to feed off of our pain and our hate and if you didn't know uh, maggots eventually turn into a fly, and then they can eat shit 
and go fucking fly around to somewhere beautiful or somewhere great or somewhere he, not great. He thought a lot about that. Yeah, after I, the fact. After Corey Taylor went, hey, you maggots, here yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't buy it for a second. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good to the you know to the press, but uh, I don't I don't fucking buy it for a second. <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna leave with that. Sh- I'm gonna leave Schli- Slipknot with that shtick of if you guys have not heard their Shit. new fucking album, we Shit. are not so kind. It is great. It is fucking phenomenal. You have got to listen to it. Go see them on tour. They're going to be performing that whole album in its entirety on their oh. on their on their performances this year. If they come to Jacksonville or close, I'm going. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. Yeah, all right, Rammstein. Yes, sir. Rammstein. Now they are a German band. They are. They are considered the German Metallica, even though they huh. just because their sound, I guess. But they have that that keyboardist man who who make, who makes their sound even better. Yeah. In some some aspects, and that's what I was saying. Like the same thing when Slipknot, ad, uh, you know, adopted Sid Wilson. Yeah, you know, it, it makes that, it, it brings it together. That other element is you're you're getting is is definitely worth the 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 frustration of having them in your band at first. Oh yeah, yeah. And their stage performances. I oh, mean, dude, Kiss had pyrotechnics, but Rammstein. Oh man. Oh boy. So the singer. Uh, Till Lindman shoots balls of fire from his crossbow, swallows fire, and he wears angel wings that blast fire from the tips. Yeah. As well as um, a stage invader that they have come out on stage and they set him on fire. Yeah. So there's a lot of fire going on in in Rammstein. Well, so much so that a lot of places banned them. Even a lot of places in their own country of Germany banned them from playing and touring because it's fucking dangerous. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's fucking dangerous to have them come out and play. You got the keyboardist who's boiled alive yeah. in a Christian flaming cauldron. They boil him alive in a flaming cauldron. Yeah. On stage. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. While, while, while the lead singer sits on a pink cannon and ejaculates foam all over the crowd. Yeah. I love it. Hey. I've wanted to see them ever since I learned. My dad was also a huge Rammstein fan. Du hast. Yeah, du hast. I hate you. You hate me. And it's funny, too, because their lyrics, they sound so fucking hard, right? Yeah. But you look them up, and it's like, wow. Yeah. That's really not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, that sun well, song. I'm pretty sure they want. They didn't want to uh, be exed by, by all the parents. They, want, they, right. wanted, they wanted their, their kids, you know, fans <laughs> to be in their fan base as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool, too, because they, they I think they combined everything. Stage theatrics, yeah. sexual tension, right? You know what I mean. Hard rock, they metal. It's all of it. They, they're a diamond in the rough. They're great, they're and good. I think their their first four albums are probably the biggest bombshells they have. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, like their newer Heiser stuff. Wind. I was kind of the last album. I was like, eh, eh sounds good. Their yeah, their '97 album Sinshoot or however you pronounce it. Yeah, uh, that was a absolutely phenomenal album absolutely great album that had i mean to me it was almost singles from start to finish 11 tracks of nothing but singles 43 minutes of fucking i don't know what you're saying but i love it have you heard of a band called lord eye yes have you seen what they look like no so they are another shock rock group they're out of finland um i think that they came around like 2006 okay they um they're good they're musically they're good uh, they look like Guar, mm-hmm. like with the with the fo- football gear and all that stuff. But they don't have all like you know the the blood and gore, the and blood and gore, and theatrics and, and stage but theater. Well, they have pyrotechnics displays, but they don't have like you know all the, that stuff. Yeah. Um, I do want to bring up a couple other bands. Sure. Um, Michael Patton, he formed a super group 
called Fantomas. Ooh. Now, if you guys haven't heard of Fantomas, they are bizarre. Uh, but How bizarre? How bizarre? Very, very bizarre. <laughs> so um, they have members of the Melvins, Slayer, and Mr. Bungle. Wow. Oh, so as I said, super group. Wow. But the it's, Melvins it's and Slayer? super strange. Like they do like Rosemary's Baby. Uh, they, it's like almost, it's almost all instrumental. Yeah. His, he used Michael Patton, you know, if anybody do, who doesn't know, he was used to be the lead singer for faith. No more. Yeah. Um, he uses his voice instead of, instead of like using it like as a, as a vocalist, he uses it almost as an instrument. So huh. guys check out Fantomas. It's, it's a, it's a very, very Fantomas. fucking unique group, especially yeah. during Halloween. Cause they have a lot of cool Halloweenish yeah. type stuff. That's cool. Um, also another group called one eyed doll. One eyed doll. Now, this bitch, I saw, I saw her open up for Otep, and she is crazy, man. She has all these like weird like trinkets and puppetry stuff that she Some brings on stage. Voodoo, voodoo she shit. puts the, the, the goth makeup on, and now it's just her and her husband. Her husband's a drummer, and she's a guitar player. Uh, look them up too. Um, I can't say enough. You know, they they've won some awards and stuff. But yeah. they are also a very good, very good. They were on America's Got Talent in 2010. Really? So, yeah. I'm glad to see something good actually came out of that. Show. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's a rare. There was game. a couple couple things, I guess. That you yeah. Say. But yeah, very unique, very good band. Radical. Um, a band called Rock Bitch. I've heard of Rock Bitch. Okay, so they're all female goth. Um, yeah. Their graphic live performances include performing lewd sex acts on stage Ooh, so we're gonna get to the sex acts this is the band one of the bands that, that do it sign me up um now they, they did the infamous golden condom where they would at the end of the show they would throw a condom out into the crowd and whoever caught it got to go backstage and do some sexual stuff with the band what uh-huh crazy wow crazy and um they were forced to disband british authorities said nope not in our not in our country. Yeah. So that sounds that's, about right. And then the other one is an industrial metal band called the Jenner Torturers. They were out of Florida and Naturally. No they were known to be the world's sexiest rock band. And they would actually members of, of their group would actually have sex on stage while the band's performing. Wow. Live. I'm I mean have to look that up. Sick. Have to watch a little YouTube. Sick, yeah, general torturers. Yeah, but uh, I, I, let me just do some of my honorable mentions, and then honorable I guess we mentions. can, we can start ra- wrapping up. If you have any that I miss, uh, I'm gonna say Mushroom Head. Mushroom Head was fantastic. In a this, Slipknot spinoff. In this moment, Nine Inch Nails, yep. Rob Zombie, yep. Twisted Sister, yep. Mindless Self Indulgence. He, yep. he he drinks his own pee on stage. If anybody didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Cradle of Filth, Cannibal That's Cor- a good one. Cradle, Cannibal Corpse, uh, Mayhem, of course. Mayhem and yeah. Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden's good, and Mayhem is also a fucking prominent. They they took it too far. Yo, oh, of course they took it way too fucking far. They all died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Burning churches, burning churches, crap. Yeah, burning all, churches all. around fucking Norway and, and Sweden. Freaking insane. Yeah. So anyway, guys, I hope you have a fantastic Halloween. As always, if I could get you to do us a huge favor, go give us a like and share on our Twitter page, our Facebook page, or our Instagram page, or all three if you're feeling uh, particularly generous. It's the Rock Isn't Dead, It's Just Sleeping uh, page. If you have any ideas for a show, uh, you want to let us know anything, fact check us, whatever you want to do, hit me up at willywhitebread69 at gmail.com. And as always, please go on whatever, whatever... venue you're listening to your podcast on and give us a rating we love you we will see you next week bye, bye.